Hey, this is Diane Gardner from TaxCoachForYou.com, and you are listening to Jeff Smith on Vroom Vroom Veer. Listen up, guys. It's going to be a great show. Whoop, whoop. Thank you. All right. I'm going to hit stop. Yeah, should have been a DJ, right? You should have been a DJ. <laughs> you missed your calling. Screw that tax stuff. <laughs> All right. I'll be right back. Hold on. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Kayla Philo, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. I'm super excited to talk to you and your audience today. Yeah, and uh, I already like you because you got a great laugh and you're having fun. <laughs> and we've only been, you know, chatting for about 15 minutes. So hey, I- I'm having fun. Yay! Great. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so you are at LavitaWithWings.com. Talk a little bit about uh, what you've got going on over there. So La Vida with Wings is my slow travel blog that I co-produce with my guapo Mexican. I call him my Mexi, my Mexi man. Mexi man. <laughs> Senior guapo. <laughs> Exacto. And we'll get into, I think, how I met him later. Yes. Um, we will tease yes. that later. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but we are a slow travel uh, midlife midlife renewal through slow travel. That's what it. we're about and it's what we're doing. Mm. Um it doesn't mean that we are on the beach with margaritas all the time. Sometimes, yes, but we also still work alongside of that. So we're we're transitioning our life into a slow travel lifestyle at the same time we're still working and um, you know being responsible adults. <laughs> I like it. I like and and my wife and I are doing the slow version of it. Kind of. We're not on the road yet. We still live mm-hmm. in the states still. Um, Mm -hmm. but we're definitely in the planning stages of doing something similar where we have like some inexpensive base, which, you know, I'm constantly on the, on the search for, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, like what you've got going on there in Mexico. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm definitely on board with the plan. You know, I can't, I can't wait. Good for you. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. Good for you. Okay, so the other thing that we're going to talk about later, other than how you did meet Senior Guapo, and <laughs> if, for those who don't understand, uh, Guapo means handsome in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to learn about uh, what does someone considering a full time travel uh, need to know before setting off. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that, but later. So let's go into vroom vroom veer mode and talk about what little Kayla was like as a as a little girl. Are you still with me? Well, I was obviously a perfect angel. <laughs> Just have to ask my brothers. <laughs> of course, me too. I was the, yeah, the middle child, only girl. You know, can you imagine how spoiled? But it wow. was awesome. I got to tell you, it was awesome. Um, so Where did you as, grow a, up? as a kid, I, you know, my family moved around a lot, and okay. I was the the kid who always wanted to do that. I never like resented moving. I was always up for it. So I think I have this, you know, case of wanderlust from way back when. 
lucky, yeah. lucky for you. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, good student, introverted. So, you know, once again, moving didn't bother me because I always had my stuffed animals and my books and my family. And I had a great childhood. So mm. little Kayla was a really lucky little girl. Aw. What, what part of the country did you grow up in? Uh, I was born in Iowa, straight up corn fed. And nice. um, <laughs> Midwestern. Yay. <laughs> yeah. I was I mean, the in best Michigan, people on so earth. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. But uh, yeah, born in Iowa, but my dad was, uh, is, and was an architect and he moved around quite a bit to build his practice. And this mm. was in the sixties and seventies when you kind of had to do that to, to advance, especially in that, in that industry. So we lived on the East coast and then I pretty much spent my formative years in Texas and junior high and high school in Houston. Wow. Okay. You mm-hmm. did move around a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you got a, a lot of a different cultural exposure just in the States. So that's, that's awesome. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I, I actually, in high school, I got a, um, a free all expense paid trip to Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> in, other words, in other words, they paid you to go to Des Moines. <laughs> well, it, I don't know who picked Des Moines, but I mean, it was fun for me because I was in a little, very small town in Michigan, right? So uh-huh. yeah. that was the first time I got on a plane. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Well, right. that's, that's perfect. And, you know, and I'm making fun, but I like Iowa. I think it's, it's, there's nothing else like it out there. It's a very I, singular place. <clears throat> I, I make fun of Michigan so you can make fun of Iowa. I mean, okay. Yeah, it's, it's fine. I mean, I love the Midwest, but I, I just don't want to live there anymore. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, if, mm-hmm. if I were to live somewhere in the Midwest, it might be like Milwaukee, maybe mm-hmm. um, because Milwaukee is pretty cool as far as cities go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got a great airport and it flies to Vegas and like nonstop, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I hear you. I, I haven't really ever contemplated moving back there, so I, I'm not sure, but I think like Ames, Iowa is supposed to be fun too. You know, the mm. college towns tend to <clears throat> keep a little bit more of a vibe. I gotcha. Yeah, mm-hmm. where my parents live is like three hours from Milwaukee and mm-hmm. an hour from Green Bay. So, and those mm-hmm. are the like the the well, Green Bay is not a big airport, but Milwaukee's a hub. But still, mm-hmm. that's three hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> Long <Ground> travel, <laughs> right? <laughs> Got it. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> yeah, usually those really super uh, places to live, the cheap places to live, are like three hours away from the rest of civilization. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Right. So mm-hmm. you had a good young childhood. Um, mm-hmm. what, what, what were you like in, in, uh, in high school? Were you sort of like the, one of those, you remember the movie breakfast club? Did you have oh, a stereotype yeah. or did you break a mold? No, I'd have to say I didn't really break a mold in high school. Uh, might've been pro- pro- part of the reason I busted out the mold later on, but I was a really good student. I mean, I think I was happy. I had a you know a boyfriend, and I was a really good student, and um, always knew I would go to college. Never considered not doing that, and right. I had you know a supportive home life. My parents split up when I was in high school, mm. but in retrospect, you know that was happening for lots of kids. So even that didn't feel like I was alone in that. I mean, okay. it wasn't fun, right, right. but you know that was. Uh, 
the divorce rate has steadily increased in our generation, as you know, um, right. to now the point that it's over 50% for people over 50. Wow. And women more and more are leading that decision, which is an interesting twist because it used to be more the stereotype of the, you know, trophy, the man left the woman for the trophy wife. And yeah, and that's changing a little bit now. So that's kind of interesting. I kind of like it. You know, at least it's empowering. <laughs> right. For the women, I mean. Well, yeah, that's the that's, that's, that's kind of like that way. Yeah. They, yes. They've now been working and they have their own IRA and they have their own. Um, Kind of Why, I don't need economic. this idiot dr- holding me back <laughs> anymore, which which is the complete opposite of the stereotypical man going like, I don't know who I am. I need a <laughs> yeah, yeah, the midlife right. crisis stereotype, right? Mm-hmm. Where I need right. to go get the trophy wife and the and the sports mm-hmm. car and the hair plugs and get a tummy tuck. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that, right. that that actually I don't know how often that happens anymore. I don't either. I, yeah, it, it, it I think sounds it's like manifesting it's not a in a little different ways now. Right, I mean, that was right. kind of the boomer version, perhaps. Maybe. I mean, that's you know broadly generalizing. Right, right. But uh, you know, I think Gen X is manifesting this in different ways for sure. Okay. All right. So we we went off on a Gen X tangent. Woohoo! All right. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to get back to okay. the the story of your life. Um, okay. So you're like sort of like the academic nerd. I don't know. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we're not really that. That's just the stereotype, right? Um, <laughs> so then you go off to college. What did you study in school? Well, I went to UT Austin. Hook 'em horns. Woo. Whoop, whoop. Um, yes. And I started in architecture, but I lasted. Uh, I mean, not even quite all the way through orientation in that because I <laughs> <Wow>. had be- <laughs> because I had studied so much in high school, and then I got to college and I went through orientation and all they talked about was how hard it was going to be. And you're going to like spend your night sleeping in the studio under the desk. And, mm. and I think I just got scared to death, to be honest. So I switched right. out of that, which was kind of my first big adult decision because it's pretty hard to get into UT school of architecture. And so to switch out of it felt weird. And then and I'm sure I dad um, didn't like that decision. You know, he was actually great about it. Really? Uh, he you. didn't say anything. Yeah, no, and that's, you know, speaks, of, that's like, sums up my childhood. He's a very supportive man. He's very quiet, um, but very supportive and pretty much, you know, as long as you were being a sane person and and trying to make some progress in your life, he's like a super supportive guy. Awesome. So, um, yeah, and he knows better than anybody else, you know, the work that architecture school takes. So I think he probably wisely thought if she's not up for that, she needs to wait. And he was right. Um so I went off, and I, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted to study. I, what I should have done was just pulled out and worked for a year and figured it out. But that wasn't in like UT Austin for four years. But the really fun thing I did during that time was uh, I went off to London for a semester and studied over there and then traveled wow. in Europe some while I was there. And um, super, you know, amazing, fun experience. And, you know, got a lot of signals at that time that, you know, looking back on again, I wish I had acted on them, but I just was in this uh, track that I didn't even see the walls of because it, I had never, I don't know, I just like couldn't see outside of it. My perspective wasn't very broad at that point, you know, because my favorite classes were history and art and, and, you know, things that had to do with urban, urban areas. And I, 
pushed all that enthusiasm aside and thought, oh, you can't, this is what I thought. I thought you can't get a job if you major in something frivolous. You, That's yes, what I thought. you have to be practical. Exactly. Right. And, you know, nobody was telling me that. My parents didn't tell me that. Um, it just oozes and, onto you through the it, culture. It, totally. <laughs> you know, yes. Well, if you were a high achieving kid, you know, back in the day, and I think some kids are getting the same message in a little different packaging, but that that was society's message was, right. you know, you make good grades, you got to go get a job and get it and, or, you know, toe the line a little bit. And so, right. um, yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. You have to do like, um, well, you don't have to, but it, it is like, um, it's a repeating pattern that I've seen in that. Like if you, um, grow up, say like with working artists around mm-hmm. you, you know, mm-hmm. then, and, and then you go out into the world, maybe you, at least you've seen people succeed that way. Right. It's just like, right. um, like, uh, I grew up with like my dad worked at a factory, the same factory in Michigan from like when he got out of high school until he retired. Wow. <laughs> right. The boomer dream. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That is so not our generation. Right. Um, no. Right. Well, it, well, kind of, it's not, I mean, we had one foot in that. Well, right, I'm, right, I'm right. at the very, so I should probably say I'm at the very cusp of boomer Gen X. I'm 55, Okay, but I've always yeah. identified more with Gen X. It's always been my personality. And so, um, that, especially the upper end of Gen X, you know, we have one foot in that because the, you know, the internet wasn't around when I was in college. I know. Um, the word entrepreneur, I don't even know if I knew what that was. No, it's French. What's that? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was just barely starting, but if you were looking for cutting edge anything, the university system wasn't the place and still isn't, to be honest. No. Um, So I, when I got out like a few years later and I had friends who were younger than I was 10 years, 12 years younger, and they were all into, you know, Peace Corps and doing entrepreneurial travel and starting businesses. And I thought, Oh, I totally missed my decade because if I, I, I had that interest in me, but I didn't have any posse around it. I didn't know anybody else who was right, doing it. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't really consider it as something you could do without feeling frivolous. <laughs> yes. I had that feeling too, you know, because <laughs> I know like, you have, I read your bio. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I, you know, it all worked out. I'm not going to say yeah. I want to go back and edit anything, but uh-huh. you know, it's just we all go, we all went through that. I think, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like I, I kind of got good at computer stuff, and that's okay. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. it just turns out that way that you know, I think to me, I'm like one of these people that is never really going to be amazing at any one thing, but I'm going to be really a little bit good, better than most at a couple of things. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I think that that's where we are heading toward because being just super, really extra good at one specific thing, um, is a little dicey these days. You have to diversify. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I never, you know, and then you also get into that whole thing about find your passion. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I, I I lost years and years and years to find your passion until Mm -hmm. I was like, that's not going to work for me (laughs) because I I have a million passions, right? Mm -hmm. I can't do them all. Right. Mm -hmm. I can just chase the rabbit until I'm bored and and then rely on the, the things that I'm already good at. 
Right. I'm, I'm cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will find more passions. I have lots more years left, but I, none of them are going to pay my bills. I'm pretty sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's always the and tricky part. That's okay. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's okay. I, mean, mm-hmm. I, I decided after screwing around trying to build some sort of online business or something um, that I'd just rather work. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a job. Now, if you can do it and get that, like you, you've got that independent location, location independent business that you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Didn't Thank work you. For me. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so out of college, apparently you had a first job. So what was your first job out of college? My first job was as a retail executive trainee for a retail chain that isn't even a business anymore. But um, And it was not my burning dream to be a retail manager. But what was my burning dream was to see the world a little bit. And they, um, the job was in Los Angeles. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I drove across the desert with my little brother at the time who was bigger than me. Um, He went with me, moved. That was kind of my first time of moving just everything I had that could fit in my car. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So I drove across the desert and um, got an apartment in Los Angeles and I started my new life and didn't really work out very well as a retail person. I mean, I don't even, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't like to shop. So (laughs) (laughs) but it got me to LA and you know kind of got me on that path a little bit and then um so you know eventually met somebody or I actually ended up marrying the person I had dated in high school quite a bit but he had ended up out in LA too that's a you know another long story but um so kind of got me on that path for a while and really loved LA and and imprinted in me that, you know, California is, I think, where my soul lives. Mm. It's my favorite state. And I later on, more recently, I lived in Northern California for about five years, which is where my, my midlife crash and burn and, and renewal happened. And at Northern California is just, you know, beautiful. But as I was coming out of all that, I knew I was going to be, you know, starting this business. And I knew I couldn't do it from Northern California because it's so expensive there. Right. So that's how I ended up in Mexico. Okay. So let, let's, reasons. let's back up and get some <laughs> juicy nuggets out of that because that was fun. <laughs> you kind of gloss over some stuff, uh, which is fine. Uh, let, let's drill down into like, um, okay. So the business that you ended up making is you're sort of like a, a video producer. Am I getting that right? Well, so for about 15 years, I was a marketing video producer for small businesses and nonprofits. And also meaning I was a freelance videographer. I mean, I shot, I edited, and I produced. I did it all. Okay. Right at the time that video on the internet was becoming a thing. So I've watched that space evolve. Okay. So you were were doing that before like YouTube? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Not like, well, kind of during, because there wasn't really any place to, it was, um, as you know, it took a few years for broadband to catch up. It was kind of hard to do video at first. Right. Oh, yeah. But the bandwidth yeah, wasn't there yet. Right. Exactly. But once it kind of got going, then people started seeing the power of it. And just the last couple of years, it's just exponentially increasing because the big flat platforms are in love with it. Well, Google owns YouTube. And right. then 
Facebook realizes that the key to keeping people on their platform 24-7 is video. Wow. Because yeah. as humans, we are drawn to movement and uh, you, add, you add sound to that and we're mesmerized and we mm. just, you know, we can't get enough of a video. So um, that's what that's why it's growing. And then more eyeballs and more time on their platform, they can charge more for their ads and it's grossly simplifying their business model, but right. that's kind of the way it goes. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> yes. So I, so I watched that evolve at, as I was doing my um, kind of one-on-one, you know, client-based freelance flex time business. Cause I was also, I had two kids and I was accommodating my, and my husband worked full time. My husband at that time right. worked full time. So I was kind of accommodating all of those schedules also. And also I have never really been a corporate person. That should have been my first, you know, red flag, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, cause back in the day I thought, well, if I'm not a corporate person, you know, what am I? And, uh, so the flex time worked out really well for me, but then the, the problem with that was I did that so that we could accommodate some pretty traditional schedules that my kids had in school and my husband had, you know, is my ex-husband in work. Right. And so I still felt really hemmed in mm. and, um, you know, and I'm in Mexico right now. We just ran into a couple the other day in a coffee shop. This is you know, super I had a cap on from Montana and this young guy comes over and he goes, Hey, are you from Whitefish? And so we started talking and you know, two little kids and they've lived in La Paz where I am right now for a couple months. And I just thought, Oh, I wish I had done that with my kids. I mean, I had books on moving to Mexico with kids when my kids were little. And mm. so it was a dream I always had, but I didn't know how to execute it. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, yeah. Had, no. just to say I've had these rumblings really since I was a, a kid, kid, just to see the world more. Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. So e- even that job-like job career was, and you did it for 15 years, mm-hmm. was preparing you, <laughs> really. Mm-hmm. So you were you came to like YouTube with like 15 years worth of experience. That's amazing. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. And that's it's a good point to think about as people if people are you know feeling like they want to just toss everything out the window and do something different. Um, I'm not saying that's a bad idea, but right. I underestimated. So that's what I did. And I, <laughs> I <did that. laughs> yeah, so you've got I, experience when you say, don't try this at home. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, or maybe do, but just know that it's going to be messy. Cause for me, what happened was, um, I had a, I've had a very blessed life. So it mm. wasn't, you know, a story of tragedy or anything like that, but I was married for quite a long time. And as my um, daughter was getting ready to graduate from high school, we started having conversations around what was next. And, and it's a longer story than that. But pretty much what came apparent is we were talking about very, very different things. Okay. And then I had a lot of stuff that I was sitting on and it started to just bubble up. And so at any rate, we decided to part ways and that, and we did get divorced. And after that, I thought, uh, I thought, well, I don't know exactly you know, in that process, I thought, well, I know this, I need to figure out what's next, but I'm not sure how to do that. So I ended up selling or donating everything I own that didn't fit my car. And I gave up my lease in Santa Rosa, California that had like a 2% vacancy rate. So it wasn't like a decision I could just, you know, change if I decided to get back into that rental market. Um, but, and so I said, no, I want to free up some time and flexibility to go on the road. And obviously I I'm kind of an internet geek. So I knew that there was opportunities online, but I hadn't had time to really figure out what that looked like either. Okay. So 
my first business that I started didn't have anything to do with video because I basically, I threw everything out the window and I said, okay, what do I want to invite back in my life? I'm starting over. Yeah, I'm starting yeah. over. Right. And there, that's valid, but it's hard to do that um, business-wise. It's much easier to start a business that you already have some experience around. Now, I'm not yes. saying it's impossible, but if it's your first company you've ever started and you don't have a partner, then it's very difficult if you just have a little bit of experience. Now, there's a lot of people online right now who are um, wanting to, you know, have seen the light about something or been in, and they want to share that and teach others. Right. And that right, was right. kind of what I went through. It, it was a, it was a, it's called the dream biz test drive. And it was a way of helping women test a business idea before they actually put a bunch of money into it. It's a good Sounds idea. Good, right. Yeah. It is a good idea. And it still is a good idea. My problem was I had no network or traction around that online right yeah people are like what do you know about that how many companies have you started i'm like right. uh, well this is like <clears throat> you my need you need that one. what do they call that like authority <laughs> yeah you, you had exactly no right. yeah exactly and right. and it's still and it, it's not dead i'm going to go back to it what it needs is a another beta group um yeah. but i haven't had i haven't had time to pull that together anyway it's on the it's on the on the list because what i needed to do was pivot and at the same time, the entrepreneurs that I was meeting, they said, oh, you've done video. And they kept asking me about video. And the universe is like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's called video, Kayla. <laughs> you could probably do that until you figure some other stuff out. Powerful method to create and leverage videos with their smartphone for their business. Wow. And we target coaches uh, and wow. consultants. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Women who the face of their business. Because what I know now is how important video is already and is going to be even more so to stay competitive and to um, grow your business faster. And, and I also know that you don't have to invest a ton of money in different cameras and you don't have to complicate it. So that's my mission is to get, you know, more thousands of women basically doing their own videos, because I think we're moving to a point, um, if I can future cast a little bit, where sure. having a YouTube channel is going to be the same as having a website for a business. Right. And I know people don't always want to hear that, um, especially Gen X. You know, there's a, there's a lot of mindset work to be done around it. But it's so, it's so important that I feel really strongly about you know, doing that work. And I'm super good at it. Not just the video piece, but the, you know, video coaching. It's, it's, um, encouraging and getting women past the, the fear that we have for different reasons about being on video. So tell us the story about how you eventually met uh, Senior Guapo, as we're calling him. <laughs> <laughs> My Senior Guapo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is, um, I love this story because okay. it was something that I, I was not, I was not at all looking for another partner. I had just finished, um, finished exiting a very long-term marriage to a very nice man. It was a great dad, but I wasn't looking for another partner. I was looking to spend some time, you know, discovering myself sure. and, and figuring out my midlife crisis. Um, but, so, but part of that was I just started spending time with people that I felt good around. And some of those people in Santa Rosa, California, um, I was on the board, I was the president of the board of a, a small theater company. They did alternative theater, lots of social justice work. Mm. The name of the company is called The Imaginists. 
and they have a national reputation. Anyway, there's an amazing group of talented people. Yeah, sounds they, amazing. Yeah, well, it is. And they are still there. Uh, and so they they did a lot of work with the immigrant community. And um, I had always been interested when I lived in Austin for many, many years. I you know, worked with different nonprofits on a volunteer basis, interested in the Hispanic community. And I'd taken Spanish off and on my whole life and studied in Mexico for a week. And I took my kids to Spain for a summer when they were younger <laughs> which is its own long story. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so at any rate, I had this, I had books on moving to Mexico when my kids were little and how maybe we can make that happen. We never did, but uh, it was a long-term, you know, you can sort of look at your life and look back and you go, oh yeah, that thread was there for a long time. Right. You've always so, wanted so, to do that. Yeah. Right. So I always had interest in you know, the Latin culture. So mm-hmm. I, I was volunteering one night at a, uh, the concession stand where we sold wine and cookies at, you know, intermission. Okay. And the, the play was Pinocchio, but it was a version of Pinocchio that was based on, um, like the young man who was Pinocchio was an illegal immigrant. And so the question was, you know, is he real? Is he real in our society? Mm, wow. Okay. Right. I get it. Uh, Geppetto, he was, uh, Pinocchio's dad in the play. Okay. And there's this, <laughs> There's this scene in the play where, where Geppetto is supposed to be kind of leaning back in a chair against the wall sleeping while some other things go on in the scene, right? So I'm standing there in the concession area and I have on a t-shirt that has the Virgin Mary on it. And it's from the Green Mesquite in Austin, Texas. And on the back, it says, God knows when you don't tip. So, <laughs> so I have this t-shirt on. But the vir- <laughs> so the Virgin Mary's on the front and it's kind of a tight t-shirt, I got to say. And pretty soon I noticed Geppetto is staring at me across the theater. And, uh-huh. and I, thought, I thought, is he looking at me? And so I, you know, kind of look away and I'm looking back and I'm like, yeah, he's still looking over here at me. And, um, and then I think, is he looking at me or is he looking at my t-shirt? <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> Probably both because you were yeah. in your t-shirt. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So at, at, um, halftime, I call it, you know, intermission right. theater, he, like he like comes, makes a beeline over to the concession table and his opening line is, are you Catholic? <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> and I said, I said, no, but you know, I have an affiliate. I like, you know, the, the, the iconography, iconography, how do you say that word? Iconography? No, it's not right. Icono- iconography. Iconography. Icon- yes. Yes. I'm with you. Of the Virgin Mary, you know, and all the art that she's inspired and just, you know, I'm not Catholic at all. Um, but so I kind of went on about that and, and he, I don't think he understood half of what I was saying because his English wasn't that great at that point. You know, he's just kind of smiling and kind of looking at my t-shirt and, (laughs) (laughs) and this, and this is senior guapo. Okay. Yeah. And this is senior guapo. So I'm like, eyes up here, senior guapo. Yeah. And, and so we sort of, that was kind of, um, how it all started and me with my rusty Spanish and him with his broken English and, once he figured out I spoke a little bit of Spanish, then he was really interested in getting to know me. Mm, and wow. and I again, I wasn't looking for any sort of romantic involvement at all. So, um, I, but I was always interested in practicing my Spanish. Okay. And so he told me later, he goes, ah, he said, I knew that was my my window was I could you know, be your Spanish yes. tutor. <laughs> he had a toe in there. Right? He definitely did. And boy, he took it. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So the rest is, a, you know, kind of a history with that. But that's how we met. And we did start out as friends. And I at that time, I had put into place my plan. I was in the midst of downsizing and getting rid of everything to take off 
And I wasn't going to, you know, give that up for anything. And so I ended up doing that, but I had not anticipated having like an interest back in Santa Rosa, you know, romantic interest back in Santa Rosa, but that's sort of how the way it started to develop. So the way that we worked that out is I have some really good friends there. It's an amazing community. And um, I did some house sitting for them a couple times during the next year, year and a half. Mm, And so when I would go back to Santa Rosa and house sit, he would stay with me and Um, we would take care of the house together. And it was a great way actually to test drive, you know, living together because I wasn't ready at all to do that either. Right, right. And yeah, and so I got to say, you know, he knows how to lean in for sure. Um, (laughs) Good for him. (laughs) Yeah, and I took my, you know, but I still took my trips. I traveled to Mexico by myself and I went to Iceland with my daughter and just had a really... And the whole time I was doing that, though, I was still working some online. I don't have, you know, a trust fund. I don't have alimony. I, I, one of those people who has to, you know, still make a living. Right. And I only point that out because I know when I hear stories of people doing things unusual, I, I always assume they're wealthy. <laughs> I just go, yeah, if yeah. I was rich, I could do that too. Yeah. Well, it's not, you know. And you, don't you have get to into it. that sort of like dismissive <laughs> sort of like, oh, well, <laughs> they can do that because X, Y, Z, P, D, Q or whatever, but I can't do that. It exactly. Right. That's how we kill our little dreams before right. they even have a chance to, you know, peek right. over the horizon. Yeah. Because it's, it, it hurts to think, oh, I could never do that. You know, or, right or it hurts sometimes to have a big dream and not know where to start on it. Mm, mm, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now that we got this story of how you met senior Guapo, we've got one more thing that we have to hit that we teased. So, okay. You went and ran off and did some sort of full time travel, slow travel as you're calling it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you kind of did it in a way that probably in retrospect, wasn't the best way. <laughs> right <laughs> if i'm if i'm getting this right so what are some things that people that are thinking about doing this should think about before they hit the road yes well i underestimated uh the time that it would take to develop a online business okay so yeah so goal one for me is and was to develop a location independent income and that is still what i'm working on gotcha so um, the thing that I would have done differently is I would have started to move a lot more of this activity online. Uh, and I did a little bit to give myself credit. I did start trying to find more editing clients, video editing clients online okay, before I, right. before I stopped, but, um, that I didn't want to become an online video editor, you know, cause then you're hauling around a screen and there's a lot of, you know, it's just a lot of overhead and, um, and I, and I didn't want to be doing that anymore long-term anyway. I'm very good at it, but I had been there, done that. I'm kind of like you, I have so many interests. Right. So I was interested in what's the next level. And, uh, so, and I also knew it wasn't for my life goals, which I got way more clear on after, you know, when I went to Montana for the winter, after I left everything in Santa Rosa, did a lot of visioning and life goals and some really deferred work on, you know, what is Kayla? doing and what does she want to do in this world? You know, mm. what's the impact that I want to have? And so I knew that video editing wasn't going to get me there in like financially or impact wise or anything. Yeah. Uh, it so wasn't I, small enough to sit, fit in the suitcase. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it, it also didn't have like just as, on the surface of it, it didn't have the capacity for to scale. Like I want to, you know, like I said, right. I want to be helping thousands of women because, you know, helping women entrepreneurs has been sort of my vibe since the eighties and always been an interest. And, um, so, uh, 
I was always interested in social entrepreneurship and Kiva or, you know, female entrepreneurs and mm. microloan. Anyway, that's another thing. But it was a, another one of those threads. So here I had this thread of interest in the, Latin, in the Latino community. Then I had this thread of interest in female entrepreneurs. Well, look what, and then this thread of video. Okay. So look what happens the last few years. Female entrepreneurship has exploded online. Huge. They need to be doing more video. And I sold or donated everything I owned to hit the road. So all that stuff was... I can now see how it all was fitting together. I couldn't at the time. So the, the biggest takeaway is if you're thinking about wanting to, and you guys are doing this probably, wanting to integrate more uh, travel. And slow travel is different in that you're not, not hopping around every two weeks in different places. Right. So It's not like yeah, a vacation. We, you you pick like a, 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 a inexpensive headquarters and then slowly travel around from there, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's um, we know, one phase of it. Some people, like, I don't even have a headquarters anymore. Okay, so it nice. can be that you, it's, you give up everything. Mm. And, um, and, but again, there's different ways to do it. The key is the steps that you take before you hit the road, number one, will like benefit your life anyway. Mm. So why wouldn't, why wouldn't you do them? And number two, they will make the transition much easier once you let go of that permanent address and perhaps even that full-time job, because then you'll have built up some, you know, the other resource on the other side that brings in some revenue um, that isn't dependent on location or you, however you're going to figure that out. Right. But I didn't really do hardly any of that. Cause I didn't know what I, <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to be doing. Sure. But, um, and it also, it was in the context of a, you know, a very painful breakup and lots of emotional stuff around that. So I didn't have the bandwidth and the capacity to figure it all out at the time. That makes sense. And I didn't, yeah. And I didn't really know anybody that was doing it either. It's kind of like when I was in college, I didn't really know any young entrepreneurs. So when I hit the road, nobody in my social circle was even really thinking about doing that, but I got a lot of inspiration online from people. Right. Well, and then I think a lot of times, even if like you would say not recommend it, I mean, Mm -hmm. at least you went (laughs) and that takes a whole (laughs) lot of courage. And then a lot of times, you know, in retrospect, you're saying, don't do what I did. Right. You know, get maybe spin up the business before you leave. (laughs) I wish I would have done that. But here you go. But you did it anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. And things worked out. So, well, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. they did. It's been, well, and it's, you know, every journey is different. So, uh, you know, I'm still working on building revenue on online and I completely financed all of this from my savings. Wow. So that is a, you have to, it's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing thing. And it, you have to, it's forced you to look at your capacity for risk and, um, and also, you know, just savings is a, is a nice, I'm very blessed to have had some. Right. But Having said all that, um, everybody's situation is different, so it's hard to give a prescription. But there are, there's actually a download for, at the website, lavidawithwings.com. We have a, it's a smart start guide to slow travel, and it goes over some of the things that I wish I had thought about. Right. Okay. Great. See, I now I yeah. want to check that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If people are interested, then that's kind of the distillation of it. And again, the really cool thing about it is this process will improve your life, whether you decide eventually to travel or not, because it's about downsizing. It's about looking at where you really want to be. What does that feel like? Mm. Uh, And budgeting is just a piece of it. I mean, it's very practical piece, but I tell people don't start with the budget because 
on paper, money-wise, it's probably never going to make sense, unquote. Depends on your current situation. So you got to look at other things. Yeah, you know, and I I think that you we we touch on a lot of different things, but um, a lot of people are sort of like in this mindset of, I just want to work really hard and save a big pile of money and then I'll never have to work again. Mm-hmm. And, and let me tell you, I tried that and the never work again part doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't work so great <laughs> Yeah, because actually it's boring, you know? So I learned something, um, in that when you do eventually say like, m- maybe have a pile big enough that will always make enough money for you to live because you've maybe reduced expenses or you moved or whatever mm-hmm. that you're still going to want to do something. I mean, permanent vacation is not fun. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's yeah. not. It's not. You're right. And yeah. and I see people here, and I'm not criticizing anybody, but I see um, a lot of expats in Mexico and that are on, quote, permanent vacation and maybe even did really well. And they're not always the most healthy-looking people with the most healthy um, no. ha- habits. Yeah, you know? retirement's not a good idea. It, and, and especially if it's someone who, you know, had the capacity and discipline to work to save all that money. And then all of a sudden they don't have anything to do. I mean, they're right. Their brain, their brain's going, what? <laughs> right. So, no, I mean, I yeah. did it and I just went batshit crazy. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. Because, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you just try to, okay, well I was actually trying to do what you're doing. Like the, the online business, say like blogging mm-hmm. and podcasting and mm-hmm. you know, I just don't like being home alone. <laughs> it's not fun, you know? Yes. And yes. when you're inappropriate, age inappropriately not working, you have to uh-huh. have a plan B for that. You have to be around people. You need to be doing something on a daily basis that is work-like or you're, oh, go- yeah. you're mm-hmm. going to go crazy. That could be something that you really, really dig. But it doesn't have to be, you know. <laughs> right. It 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 doesn't have to be. You just need to have something that is engaging, you know, or just from a a, a health perspective, you will. I went batshit crazy, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that's why you know on the website, some we started to use this hashtag called alt retirement because that word retirement is so loaded. It right. means different things to different people, but I don't think it's. It doesn't really describe what's what's happening. What um, we're and what we end up doing is not no. what the boomers wanted to end up doing, like hanging out uh-uh. floor and playing golf and eating dinner no. at three p.m. We don't want to do that. <laughs> no, we no, don't, no. and it hasn't made a whole bunch of them like super happy either. No, not <laughs> really. Say. No, <laughs> you're right. My my mom and dad they both volunteer a lot, you know, and they get uh-huh. and thankfully, you know, in their seventy nine and eighty year, uh, mm-hmm. they're still super mobile. Um, Mm -hmm. mom, not so much, but dad got new knees and wow, look at him. He's going, (laughs) I know it's incredible. And you know what, just, you know, 10 X that, and that's our generation in our seventies and eighties. I mean, we, if you stay healthy, we'll we'll live longer too. Yeah. We're going to live longer. And so this idea of retiring, whatever that means at 65, that's number one, it's extremely hard to get to that point for most people who, um, you know, are working at a job. Because right. if you have kids, you know, you got college. If you, There's so many expenses right. in the U.S. Right, right. I, I don't want to be cynical, but I almost feel like it's tuned against, like, it's just very difficult to save, unquote, enough if you're just working at a job. Well, there, there's so, a whole nother movement that we could get into. 
Mm-hmm. That that is trying to address that situation, the Mister Money Mustache kind of crowd. Yeah, I know yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh-huh. like maybe you just need to spend less, you crazy consumer. <laughs> right, and that's yeah. part of it, but that's only like one one piece, and it goes deeper. You know, it does. It definitely does. And so, um, just looking at. I think the expectation that you're ever going to save enough to quit your job and, and is not really that realistic for some people, even though sometimes they feel like that's what they're doing. Oh, I'm saving for retirement. Right. Well, I mean, I have some friends and I know that they have like super fat IRAs, but like they don't, it's like never enough for them. They right. keep delaying things and delaying things because, right. oh, I could never quit. I could never work part time. I could never, never. And they have like a ton more money than I do. Sure. I'm like, yeah, you actually could. <laughs> Yeah. You actually could, and right. you'd still have fat bucks to retire on. But, you know, it's a, so this is as much mindset it as is. it is dollars, you know? Right, right. No, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. It's it's like I have been kind of like doing battle with my wife because she's always thinking the money, you know, I figured out that if I didn't nail down an X number, right, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. so many dollars per month and you will be ecstatic. So mm-hmm. I had to nail that down, right? Because mm-hmm. I was trying to do math, <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah. So so I was like, okay, give me a number, and she did, right? So then mm-hmm. then I could do math, right? Yeah. And I went to the Mister Money Mustache, and I and I plugged in that number, mm-hmm. and he said, whatever that number is times twenty five is your magic number if you do the pile, right? And then mm-hmm. it's just a number. How many years? is it going to take for that pile to be that size? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I did all that math and we're really close. <laughs> so Good she can't, yeah. And she can't argue with me anymore now. Okay. okay right. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. number doesn't include my air force retirement or my, what you call, uh, if there's any social security. Mm-hmm. So that means that I, not only did I hit her number to make her ecstatic mm-hmm. uh, at, for at the monthly level, mm-hmm. um, all of my uh, all the other calculations don't include that extra two thousand dollars a month and whatever Social Security may or may not be. Yeah, I'm trying mm-hmm. to overproduce for her, <laughs> right? Does that make sense? Smart man. Uh, yeah, right, <laughs> right. Because then she can't argue. So I go, okay, there's your number plus this plus that. And and when when I told her that, she was like, wow. <laughs> so uh-huh. I got her. I got her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good for out. you. Yes. Well, that's a good way to, I mean, that's a perfect example of, of productive couple negotiation. You right. Know? You need to do yeah. that. Because mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to be splitting up. Because I, I figured out really what I what I like about my wife and I's relationship is when we're on the road, it's kind of like Doctor Who and the companion in the TARDIS. We're just uh-huh. enjoying each other on the road. It doesn't even matter what we're doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, no, I, I totally relate to that. You know, Sergio is like the perfect travel companion. There you but go. Right. The challenge sometimes comes in when it's like, you know, real life and we're, yes. <laughs> and we're in one place for it's a little true. while. It's true. I, I have yeah. the same issue. So, yes, yep. there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. Life, yeah. life isn't supposed to be easy. Don't you? Know? No, <laughs> I no, figured that exactly. out. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. It, in fact, it's boring if it's too easy. There you go. 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I think we've pretty much hit everything. So let's talk a little bit more about how folks can get in touch with you at lavidawithwings.com. And, yes. uh, and please come back because I think there's like more depth to this conversation when we have a better internet connection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Um, well, yeah, the website is La Vida, Vida, V-I-D-A is Spanish for life, La Vida with wings.com. And our email is hola, which is hello, H-O-L-A. <laughs> yes. Ola at lavidawithwings.com. You can get a hold of us there. The easiest way um, is to sign up for our, we send out Sunday stories every week. I have to say I'm a gifted writer and you should enjoy these. They aren't just like reviews of the same tourist attraction 10,000 people have been to. They're mm. really kind of profiles of the people that we're meeting and the experiences we're having. Nice. And I've had, yeah, I've had two of them published uh, Thrive Global. So I'm very wow. happy about that. Yeah. Cause I tried to weave in these midlife questions because that's the whole reason, you know, it's one of the themes of the blog. Um, so that's one way to stay in touch. And if anybody out there is um, running an online business or you're the face of your business and you are looking at doing video, <laughs> that website yeah. is, is fab videos finally done F A B as in fab fabulous fab videos finally done.com. And you can go there too and um, sign up for the email list and get in touch that way. Sweet. This has been uh muy bien. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yes. Yeah. And uh-huh, let me see if bien. I can, I can do, do you remember way back when, when Bill Murray was still on Saturday night live? <clears throat> yes. Okay. They did this fake, uh, show in Spanish. And the name of the show was Canisis Mats Macho. <laughs> I don't remember that, but I totally need to look that up. I bet it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Yes. And he says like, uh, it's basically the whole show and you only need a snippet. It's like, uh, who's more macho, right? Canisis yeah. Macho. And it was like, and then, so they would just present two macho people. Right. And uh-huh, then, and then uh-huh. the question is, who's more macho? So I think it was like uh, Fernando Lamas or uh-huh. Senor Ricardo Montalban. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> who's more macho of these two dudes? Uh, well, just... no contest there. <laughs> okay. Who wins? Ricardo Montalban. Oh, Ricardo Montalban. Sure. <laughs> With his fine Corinthian leather. There you go. <laughs> Oh, but you, you have to go back and look at him when he was uh, uh, Khan in Star Trek, whatever. I know, Star Trek dude. Two. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and, and he you, was like not twenty five anymore in that movie. No. And he was hot. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he was extra hot in the original series. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, oh my goodness, I've gone back and looked at that. Wow. I mean, yes. you could really see an actor there. Yes. You know, uh-huh. I don't know. You, you haven't seen that performance in years. I went back and net, on Netflix, I watched it. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, actually, that is true. I not, had not thought about that, but he does seem like somebody who dodged a bigger career um, or maybe just didn't have the opportunities to. Unfortunately. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, but yeah, he, he we was missed out. One of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Kayla. This has been a blast. I appreciate you coming to hang out with me. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer.